this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Nude Hiking. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to episode number 73. And so we're finally catching up for, uh, I, I, I'm supposed to do one a month of these shows, of these episodes, and I got a little behind in the summer, so we're catching up here in December, and I waited as long as possible um, because I got a cold and I got sick, and then I was getting better, and then I've got a cold again. So I'm recording this with a cold, so I apologize if I don't quite sound normal. But uh, it's I'm just a little bit congested. So hopefully the content will be there even if my voice isn't quite right. I want to thank uh, Michael. Uh, Michael sent me a number of links. I was mentioning in the previous uh, episode about a, a film called Mondo Nude about uh, the... Uh, uh, the uh, Miss Wor- Nude World at the Four Seasons uh, Nudist Resort in just outside Toronto, Ontario, not far from me. And then all about how exploitive it was. And so um, I still haven't found the actual film, but Michael sent me a link to The Naked Peacock, um, a preview of which clearly shows uh, the Miss Nude pageant of the Four Seasons. Number one, Every year, nudist clubs from all over send their best to the annual Miss Nude World pageant. It's a chance for them to get together and have fun, while at the same time provide an opportunity for the public to experience nudism. So I um, I did order the movie. Um, it seemed like uh, an interesting one to watch. It apparently isn't just about that particular uh, club, but several others. There was a link, uh, which I'll put in the show notes as well, if anybody else wants to order it. But as soon as I know more, I'm sure I'll be telling you lots more about it. So stand by for that one. Hey, Felicity. Hey, Stefan. So, I, you know, I heard, I read on your blog, actually, I read first that uh, Bill Shore is no longer with Anern as the executive director, which is, you know, I was thinking of interviewing him for the podcast, but he wasn't there that long. How long was he there? Yeah, um, I think he was hired this year only for a few months at the most. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's uh, I wonder what. I think he was hired in like May, I want to say. 
Huh. Do you know him? Um, we've, yeah, I mean, we've talked to him. Uh, we haven't met him in person, I believe. Um, but we've, we've been talking to him for a couple of years, actually. Um, he, you know, he's been involved in naturism for a while. Um, and just recently we started talking to him just after he went through this whole debacle of getting fired and everything. Well, you seem to be doing a lot of stuff. I know he was meeting with a lot of people. I'd heard, you know, that he was trying to bring other uh, groups uh, involved. But I also heard uh, rumors now that, you know, he was trying to change things and uh, that some people didn't like that. What, what do you know about that? Yeah, there's a lot of rumors. Um, and, and we have been trying to clear those up. And we hope to publish another article, actually, about the whole thing. Um, to sort of clear his name, but one of the big controversial things was this club idea of uh, a club rating system, which was basically he was saying that we should have something more to tell people about nudist clubs that will give them more of an idea of what they're what they should expect. So whether a club is very family oriented um, compared to a club that's not family oriented at all, and they have things that people may not want to pursue, you know, like lingerie dances, and it's more on the, quote, sexual side. Um, and so it's kind of basically like, I think of it as like a trip advisor for news clubs, I guess. So do you think clubs that are adult, that don't allow children, should be allowed in Anner? I think they should. Um, you know, I don't think there's an issue with places like, you know, there's Terracotta Inn in California. That's like a couples-only getaway. Um, I don't think there's any problem with those. But I think there is value in um, letting people know what to expect because you have all you have so many clubs that say that they are, quote, family-oriented. And you go there, and there's no kids. There's, like, a broken-down playground. And they've got, like you know, basically all their activities are geared towards adults. So it's it's sort of a problem there. Um, and people have been talking about, like, different ways to implement such a thing, you know, like, anarchists should rate them. And I think the best way to do it, if to do something like that, would be to let the uh, the members rate them. So it's an interesting debate whether uh, children, you know, whether or not children should be allowed in clubs or or not. There, there's actually a, a member of a club that I'm not going to name, who's been I've been exchanging emails with because she's upset because the club they don't want to ban children because they're afraid of discrimination suits, but they're gonna they want to make it so that no parents ever would ever want to come with their kids, basically by charging. Uh, hundreds of dollars per child uh, to come and be and be members. So, God, yeah. And the logic is funny because I understand. You know, people say they say a bunch of things. You know, they say, well, uh, they're afraid of the liability of children. And I say, well, it won't. There's liabilities for adults as well. I mean, you know, they, they yeah. think that somehow children are more. We heard this from the, uh, the this other club in the U.S. that I won't name as well. That's all adult. That they thought that children are more likely to be abused in a naturist environment, and that was a liability. But that's not true. Oh, right? That was awful. Yeah. No, it's not true. That's it's 
That's ridiculous. Well, I, what I jokingly said is, you know, if you should also ban women then because women, uh, you know, have a one in four chance of getting sexually abused at some point in their lifetime. So, you know, obviously they're a liability too. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, All on their own. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing. You know, you put the rules in another excuse they said is said, well, we had a child poop in the pool. Okay, I said, well, you know, you better ban seniors then, too, because they have a little bit less control as well, so they might poop in the pool, too. Like, yeah. Children may not bring money in, but if you want to, everybody's always complaining about attracting young people, right? Yeah. So if you... If you're going to attract young people, it's hard to attract 20-year-olds because, you know, they're busy starting their careers. So probably you're attracting people maybe in their early 30s. Well, some of them have children. Right. <laughs> so if they're not yeah. children, they're not welcome, what's going to happen? They're not going to come, right? Right. It's, yeah. So I, mean, I, I think it, Yeah. I think it's um I think it's sad for there to be less clubs welcoming children and it it is like it is something, you know, people, they always say they want more young people and then they don't, they do things like ban children that would totally keep that from happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's up to a club ultimately, I think. I'm, I'm not going to say like no anarch club should be allowed that doesn't allow children. It's up to the club, I think, for that issue. But like, it, it is sad to see the family-oriented, you know, for there to be less and less family-oriented clubs. I mean, we had somebody email us asking for one on the East Coast, and it was, I felt like it was very sad that I only had one club that I knew I could recommend that actually has other kids there on any kind of regular basis. So, yeah, so I th it probably does make sense. I guess if we're going to, you know, if you're an association and you want to try to include as many as possible for, perhaps for economic reasons, too, I guess it makes sense to have a rating uh, rating system for it, but as anything. What else were they going to rate? What else were they going to talk about? Oh, I mean anything that you can also rate on TripAdvisor. I mean people can rate uh, the hospitality, the you know, the the uh, what the lodging, um, the facilities, um, that kind of thing would also be useful. I mean, right now, a lot of clubs I don't think are on TripAdvisor. I mean, they could join and then that, that would be something, but um, you can't rate somebody, you can't rate them on that site based on how adult or child-oriented they are, really. Well, I think they should also rate them on the, uh, the, the, the textile level or the nudity level or whichever one it is because... Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's some clubs you go to and everybody's dressed all the time and you have to be dressed in certain places. That's the kind of stuff, too, I'd want to know before I got there. Yeah, there's that, too, yeah. That so, can get weird. <laughs> yeah, well, there's still some clubs that, you know, you have to be dressed for the dances because they think that if people are nude for the dances, bad things will happen. Well, bad things. Things will happen. Whether they're bad or not is debatable point on what you're looking for, I suppose. <laughs> Um, I'm like, what year is this? What, what century are you in? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think? Do you think you should have to be dressed to dance or not? Uh, people can. That's the whole idea of nudism is that you can behave yourself when you're naked. What? Yeah, absolutely. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Oh my god. 
But that was that, apparently that was a fairly common thing uh, going back to you know the mid twentieth century in, in naturist and nudist clubs is that you had to be dressed to dance. And yeah, I know there's been these rules over the years um, that or or like I heard I think Bill said to us um, a rule that clubs can't be like I mean that people can't be dancing couples can't be dancing together at the dance you know slow dancing and that kind of thing wasn't allowed. Well, I think it was a great idea to have this rating system to know what you're expecting. Um, but I can see that that might not be popular with the clubs. Although, if you're a club, there's really no advantage in tricking people and coming to your club and then finding out that it's not what you wanted. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you're just going to have people. People are not going to go home and, and tell their friends what a great time they had, that's for sure. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why, you know, at Bear Oaks, I'm always very clear. We're, I, everywhere, we're not clothing optional. Don't right. come here if you want to keep your clothes on. Because uh, I don't want to deal with it. it. Yeah, and that's why I think the visitors uh, should actually rate them also because that's I think that would be the most fair. I mean, the club is not going to rate themselves. I mean, they could, but I don't think they're... Right now, they're not honest, and why would they be honest? Why would all of them be honest if they were to join a rating system? Hmm. Um, you know, it might... Who's not going to give their facilities like five stars? Um, and then if you have visitors rating them, then, then you get an average. So it's like you get uh, a scale of zero to 100% and you have the users rating how family friendly they think they are, for example. And uh, you could have a club that gets like a 93% rating and then you know that, okay, this club is more family oriented than others. So... Is this rating system why Bill is no longer with Enter? Um, some have speculated as much. Um, I don't think so. Um, but it's Enter has been very secretive about the whole thing, and people have been getting very upset um, that Enter has not been forthcoming, and they just uh, are not giving any kind of official statement or comment. Um, so, I mean, from what we know, he was uh, released, he was uh, let go uh, by the president, by Beverly Price. And, uh, and like, that's, that's all they've said. Well, I've read that he was let go um, illegally uh, by Beverly Price at first, or against the rules right. of anger. Yeah, that's, right, that's what they did. Yeah, that's the story. Um, and then the board later met and voted on the matter and and not everyone was in favor of uh of him leaving i think it was 10 to 4 in favor of it so a few people were against it um there have been rumors that the staff didn't like him but um you know we've seen emails from that where they've been very supportive you know they were planning a surprise birthday party for him so i'm pretty sure that's not true <laughs> Well, it sounds like there's more to this story, so I, are you going to yes. keep looking? Can we count on you to dig up the facts for us? There is. I, could say, I can't say more yet. Um, we, have, we have a story uh, where we, after we talked to Bill for a while, um, and we have some things to clear up. Um, we just can't print it quite yet, but people should um, keep tabs on our website, and they will hopefully see something there soon.
So since we recorded that just uh, days ago, really, uh, Felicity and Jordan have posted uh, that information about Bill Schroeder, that article that's been researched in depth. Uh, it's quite interesting. You can uh, hear it on their website at YNA.me. And I'll put a link to this one and the other articles she referenced in uh, her segment um, in the show notes as well. When I was at the INF uh, Congress in Ireland in September, I ran across a book um, about uh, nude hiking. Um, the book is actually called Naked Hiking. Um, it's by Richard Foley, and uh, he's the person behind a website called Nactive. Uh, Nact as it means nude in German, and active, it's a play on word on the two of them. Um, Richard's actually from the UK, but lives in Germany. And so I thought I would give him a call and contact him and find out more about what nude hiking is all about. Okay, so my name is Richard Foley. Um, I'm from London, England, and living in Bavaria currently in Germany. Um, I've been fairly active on uh, in naked activities, naked hiking largely, um, over the, the last decade or so. Um, I have a, a website called Nactive.net, which is a social media network, um, a little bit like Facebook, where people can connect with one another and share information with one another online. Um, and I've written a, um, a couple of different books, one on the World Naked Bike Rides, uh, one on naked hiking recently. What is Nactive? What is the Nactive network? What does that mean? Okay, the Nactive social media network, or well, the Nactive network. The word Nactive comes from naked and active put together. Um, the Nactive name comes from the combination of naked and active. And uh, this, this originated really with the Nactive.de uh, website um, started by the, by the German couple Anita and Wolfgang Kramer. They, they've also written several books on naked activities, and they they sort of formulated the idea of Nactive to begin with, although they spelled it slightly differently with a German spelling. So my spelling is an anglicised spelling of naked and active put together to make Nactive. And the idea of Nactive is to bring uh, naked activities into your daily life, into, into the public sphere, into the social sphere. It's a very similar to a lot of nudist and naturist activities, um, but they tend to be, uh, on the whole, um, nudist and classical nudist and naturist activities tend to be held in sort of private, enclosed spaces. And the idea of Nactive is really to open that out much more and to say there are no real restrictions on where you can be naked. So you can be naked in your own garden, in your own living room, or outside while walking in the mountains, uh, whatever the circumstances require. So is the focus on the activity, is the focus on the health part? Um, the, I think the, there is a sort of, um, there's a kind of inheritance from naturism uh, where an active, you are being naked and active at the same time. So you are kind of nearly expected to be healthy. But there isn't quite the same focus on it as there was in the beginning of the naturist movement in the 1920s and 30s where um, health and efficiency was all the rage. People are basically just doing whatever they're doing during their day, but they're doing it naked. So you could be reading a book or you could be going for a cycle ride 
um, and you don't really need to be doing uh, uh, an excessively physical activity um, with a view to being particularly healthy. I think there are probably a lot of people who are quite healthy um, and partly because they're naked and partly just because they're being active. Yeah, well, certainly in the beginning of the movement, uh, the, the activity or the, the exercise was sometimes mandatory in some of those places, right? Uh, mandatory calisthenics in the morning. Yeah, I think um, these days that's uh, there's very much a, uh, less of a sort of um, red coat, uh, bright and holiday camp sort of atmosphere about naturalism um, it, um, generally. Uh, it's much more laid back. Um, and, and an active movement, if that's, if that's what it is, um, or the active take on, on naturalism, if you like, is uh, very much more uh, open-ended in that respect. Uh, it's down to people do what they want to do. Um, there is no, there's no agenda, there's no um, expected level of activity or anything like that. You just uh, involve nudity in your daily life to whatever degree seems to work for you. Um, and there, there's no prerequisite there. Well, it sounds like you're almost thinking of this inactive movement as a little bit different from naturism and nudism. And but I, although I think we're all agreeing, and you're to a certain extent, we're speaking, preaching to the choir, as they say. But why yeah. don't you tell us, in your words or your point of view, uh, why it's important to have uh, to be naked and active, and not just active? Um, okay, I think that um, being naked is something that different people take it in different ways. Um, the idea that uh, we have these labels, nudism, naturism, being active or whatever, uh, sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they get in the way. I, I like to think of nactive as being much more of an umbrella term. Um, and uh, But that's just my personal opinion. This isn't something that's being um, projected out in any particularly strong way. Um, but the the Nactive site, for the Nactive.net site, for instance, um, people do come onto it and say, you know, they, they complain about having a um, a photograph on there that's not a naturalist photo, for instance. Well, the site isn't a naturalist site, so that's why it's probably okay for it to be there. It's it's a bit more um, relaxed. It's a, it's a bit more relaxed about the rules. Um, so so we're kind of uh, in, including people rather than excluding people. Um, by using the term. Okay. And, and there seems to be a fair bit of uh, connection with nude hiking as well. Um, in, in France, I've heard of it called rando nu, which is a combination of w a walking and being nude at the same time. It works well. I don't know if there's a, as cute of a term in English. Um, I think in English, some people have been using free hiking, or in American at least, mm -hmm. American perhaps. Um, I, and other people call it nude hiking. Um, I, I guess my favorite term would be naked hiking. Uh, I think these, these things are a little bit, again, they're a little bit labelizing, you know, um, because and this, this comes back to the difference in terms between whether someone is naked or nude. Um, some, uh, on whether they're a nudist or a naturist or, or something like this. Uh, different people can have very strong opinions about what these terms mean. Um, right. And you know, naked can be seen as being uh, just no, not clothed, bare, ordinary. Um, 
and nude can be seen uh, if you take it from the art world for instance as uh, an art nude you know it's very much on display for other people to look at um, and that that carries over a little bit into the way that nudists can be regarded as a social group uh, very often and naturists tend to be spending their time much more in uh, naked in nature hmm. and less involved with other people necessarily but these terms are so they're so fluid and they they, they can mean different uh, different things whether depending on whether you're in America or whether you're in Europe and um, sometimes it can be helpful to discuss them but sometimes it can be quite contentious and that's where I think that um, the, these labels don't necessarily um, and, and where if you come to the idea of just you know being naked uh, sometime during your day and it doesn't have to be all day you know um, which can actually be very difficult for a lot of people as well for multiple reasons um, then, then you, you get away from a lot of the problems if you, if you just say well it's okay for you to be naked if you feel like it um, in some context or other and you don't have to be uh, in a club or you don't have to be you know, doing a, a physical activity or you don't have to be in a group or something like this you, know, you get rid of all of those restrictions it's certainly true. I, I see in uh, you know that hiking anyway, nude hiking, naked hiking, free hiking has uh, picked up a lot of. Uh, it seems to have picked up a lot of popularity. I'm seeing more and more references to it, more and more people doing it. Um, perhaps it's because certainly in some countries anyway, it's much easier to do that and not get in trouble. Whereas 50 years ago, you would have landed in jail. Uh, do you have any thoughts as to why it's getting more popular today? Um, I mean, I, it's tempting to say that, um, you know, naturism is coming of age in a way, um, although it seems to be a, a, on, on the wane in many ways. A lot of clubs seem to be uh, having less numbers. Uh, the classical uh, nudism, uh, there are a lot, there's kind of a decline in, uh, in numbers um, in many places. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, the amount of online... Uh, material is huge, just growing all the time is huge and I think this helps other people realize what other people are doing elsewhere and helps them come together and share ideas and to um, it, it see the fact that other people are going outside naked hiking and it's perfectly okay and no one's being arrested um, and they seem to be enjoying themselves and well maybe I'll give that a try um, and they do and they think it's, it's you know marvelous and they, and they don't go back um, or, they, or, or maybe sometimes people try it and think, no, it's not really for me, you know, but that's okay, they've tried it once. Um, no names, no pack grill and so forth. Well, you're uh, clearly a big fan of it because you've written a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a big fan of naked hiking, yeah. It's, um, it, it's been very important for me. I think I, I had a, uh, some small experience when I was young as a, as a child going to a nudist club with my mother. And then I uh, didn't really go back to that at all until, um, until sometime when I was around 40 or so and I was, and I was thinking about, um, con I was contemplating uh, nudism again. And then I, I read about Stephen Goff and his um, quite epic trip to go from Land's End to John O'Brien's across the UK, diagonally right across the UK there, um, naked. And that was, that was quite impressive. And for me, it, I used to spend a lot of time in the mountains climbing. Um, and it sort of struck a chord with me that this you could be doing something in the mountains that wasn't quite as adventurous as I used to be doing 
um, but still be a little bit adventurous in terms of, well, you could be naked doing that. Um, and I tried it and I liked it and I've been doing it ever since. It struck a, it struck a definite chord with me. And uh, what do you think it gives you? Uh, I think it gives me, um, naked hiking, I think, gives me a, a certain sense of um, self-confidence. I think I get uh, somewhat closer to nature. Um, the, the experience of uh, the, the, you know, the temperature and the, the, the weather, um, and you sort of, uh, there's definitely a, a sense of, of being closer to the elements. Um, when you're when you're out naked in the mountains, especially when it's not particularly sunny, um, but but obviously then also, I mean, it can be a good experience and it can be a, a slightly um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, a rewarding experience when you come through the rain. You know, let's say um, when when you achieve a when you achieve your target of getting to the top of the mountain. Um, and maybe you've had to put up with some bad weather rather than just a nice sunny day. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they when they go to a nudist club and they and they sit down and um, just lie down and, and like a bit like a lizard, enjoy the sunshine. Mm-hmm. That's nice, you know. I, I enjoy doing that as well, but I can't do that all week long. Um, it drives me quietly crazy. I'm, and in some ways, I'm quite jealous of people that can do that. So, I, where do you hike when you hike? Um, I, I like to hike uh, in the Alps around Munich, um, just to the south of Munich. The Gau area here is, is very beautiful. Yeah, we should uh, say that you're obviously uh, English, but you are living currently in Munich area, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm from London originally, and uh, I moved over to, Germ- uh, to Bavaria in Germany some 15 years ago, and I've been there ever since. Um, and I just thoroughly enjoy that the mountain scenery around here is, is quite extraordinary. There are lakes and Alps and, you know, green hills and uh, rocks. Um, it's a fantastic place for, for me and my dog to go walking. Um, it's superb. And do you do that only in the summer? Uh, I, I largely do my, my naked hiking in the summer. In the winter, I would probably go skiing because um, it's a bit colder and there's a lot of snow around so naked hiking isn't really the, the thing to do but, but I not, have been not nude go, skiing I assume no no most certainly not <laughs> I, I've been known to go naked hiking in the snow and there are other people um, that I know that in France are very active um, with like um, snowshoeing um, on, on the snow uh, in the French Alps and the Pyrenees and, and so forth I mean, they look like they're having a marvellous time, and I'd, I'd love to do some of that as well. And do you usually go by yourself, or do you have a group of uh, friends who share your passion? Well, it varies sometimes. I, I really enjoy going into the mountains on my own anyway. I, I think that going into the mountains on your own um, gives you a, a, a sense of um, a humbleness, if you like, because the, the sometimes the, uh, the mountains can be quite huge and you're on your own you know in, in this quite impressive um, place uh, and that's that's quite a unique feeling um, and other times it's quite nice to go with a small group or currently with my girlfriend that's quite interested in naked hiking as well fortunately <laughs> uh, 
and other times with a larger group of people. Uh, I organise a, a trip once a year for the last 10 years I've been doing this now um, of naked hiking in the Alps. And we started off with rucksacks and tents um, going from place to place and now we tend to use a, a mountain hut and do local tours, um, circular tours uh, in, in the area. Uh, and that's proved to be quite popular. This year we had um, 38 people come along with a, with a good mixture of male and female um, and, a, and several dogs. And do you, do you ever get into trouble for being nude in public places? Extraordinarily rarely. Um, I, I have actually been in trouble once with the law um, about naked hiking. Um, I was given a 35 euro fine, which I decided it wasn't worth arguing about and paid it. Um, and another time I was given a 500 euro fine and I fought that through the courts. And after two years, uh, they abandoned the, the case and had to pay me my, my lawyer's fees um, of about a thousand euros. So I didn't come out of pocket, but it was, it was a lot of work. Um, but essentially, I felt that I won that case by not having to pay pay the fine that had been levelled against me. Um, but th this is very, very unusual. This is like you have to re remember: this is in ten years of naked hiking. Um, you know, two cases, uh, one of which I, I won, and uh, all the other cases where I've been naked hiking, whether I've um, uh, met a policeman or whether I've some other clothed hikers walking along the trail, everyone almost without fail has been fairly agreeable and pleasant and friendly and we've just exchanged greetings on the trail as you would normally with a with anyone you met on the mountain um discuss the weather or something like that and carry on your way um almost, almost invariably the the reactions of other people are, are very positive now do you of course you're living in the munich area which is uh, famous for having the english gardens where people sunbathe nude in full view of uh, people driving by and hanging out so do you think it would be different if you were nude hiking in the UK for example um, possibly I think it's possible it would be different in the UK I don't really know because I've never really done the naked hiking in the UK uh, I do know other people that have and I do know that there are um, several smaller groups of people that regularly go naked hiking in the UK, the, the SOC for instance, and um, uh, Carla and Stuart with their Munro activities and so on. But I mean, well, you have to remember that the weather really isn't that conducive towards it over there unless it's a particularly good summer. Um, uh, a little bit of wind and you can quite soon get a, enough of a chill factor to, to want to get dressed. Um, and uh, the, the weather over here in Bavaria is just so ideal for naked hiking. There's almost no wind, uh, and it tends to be warmer and drier. So it's it's an ideal place, an ideal location, really, for naked hiking, in my view. So do you do anything to avoid legal problems? Um, not particularly. Uh, uh, possibly, yeah, okay, possibly um, I would, maybe I would uh, say that I try to avoid legal problems by selecting areas where there are less likely to be a lot of people. I think if you walk through the middle of a village, then you're likely to stir up um, a bit of aggravation, and it's unnecessary. Uh, this is what Steve and Goff has had a problem with. He's, he's intent 
on going right through the center of wherever he is and confronting people with his nudity. Um, whereas my outlook on that is that, um, you know, I want to be naked, I want to go naked hiking, I don't mind if I meet people, but I'm not particularly out to find people. So uh, I don't need to walk through the middle of the village or go shopping or something like this. And go, if I go to a supermarket naked, I'm going to get arrested. There's just no point. Um, and besides that, I don't really want to, I don't really feel like being naked in a, in a built-up environment. My, my, my joy of being naked, if you like, comes from um, being in, in nature, in a natural environment. So it's natural for me to want to go out into uh, less populated areas, uh, up into the mountains, into the forests, and, uh, and make, go naked hiking there, because it seems to fit with the environment much more. Well, your, your passion obviously is pretty strong since you've written a book. What what drove you to do to create a book on uh, naked hiking? Um, uh, good question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'd already written a book on the World Naked Bike Ride, and I guess I have a um, a need to put some of my my thoughts and experiences down in writing to partly explain to people what I do or, or what other people are doing. Uh, and maybe to myself um, to help formulate what it is that um, we're all up to, if you like. Um, what is it that drives us? What what motivates us to be to be naked, uh, either in a protest, um, an environmental protest like the WNBR, or on a naked hike on your own somewhere where there's nobody else up in the, in the high mountains. Um, you know, th these these are different different experiences. Um, I think it's just interesting for people to share their, their different experiences of um, whatever they're doing with their naked activities and uh, to share it with other people so that other people can see that it's okay and and perhaps consider taking part themselves if they've not done so previously. Well, uh, tell, tell the listeners, if you would, uh, about the book, because I think the format's interesting. It's not just you writing, right? No, the, the Naked Hiking book is a, yeah, it's a paperback with a mixture of text and photos um, from a number of different people, a number of different um, submissions. There's some several chapters from me that I've written, um, and there are several chapters from different people around the world. Uh, Doug Ball in New Zealand has written a chapter. Stephen Goff um, was asked to write a chapter, and he wrote something from, from his prison jail in, uh, in England. Um, and we have a, another chapter from a German lady who describes her first naked hike altogether, uh, which was actually one of the seminal moments for my girlfriend considering going naked hiking with me, actually. Um, so that was quite interesting. Um, and yeah, it's just a collection of, of submissions from different people around the world describing all of their various uh, or, or rather a selection of their various naked hikes. So, uh, you know, we have listeners all over the world. What advice would you have for them if they find this interesting and uh, why they should try this as opposed to just going to a, a club or a beach somewhere and, as you said, just uh, being like a lizard? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's perfect. don't get me wrong, I think it's perfectly okay for people to be lizards. But, okay, I think if you were interested in um, considering naked hiking for the first time and had never done it. Um, possibly uh, a good place to start would be to go to a nudist club or a naturalist club to get used to the idea of being naked, first of all. Um, if, if we assume that people are already over that hurdle and 
uh, are interested in taking their nudity out into a more sort of um, natural, uh, open environment, like uh, naked hiking in the mountains somewhere or in a forest, um, I would I would certainly suggest going somewhere or selecting somewhere that was uh, off the main trails, somewhere quiet where you were not likely to meet a lot of people. Um, perhaps join a local group. There's there's a lot of activity on the internet these days about people um, uh, organising naked hikes all around the world, and there's probably a a group near you somewhere. Um, it may not be on your doorstep, or you might be lucky, and it is. Um, right. Is there a website you would recommend to help people find those those groups? Well, I would have to recommend an active.net social media website for finding other people with um, naked hiking in mind. It's not the only place on the internet. Um, there are Facebook group groups, or there are... Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I started... For instance, on my own, a little nervously, thinking, you know, I wasn't sure if this was a, a great idea or not. And um, it seems to have taken off in, in quite a large way. For me personally, it's been, a, uh, I think, a, a personal development step to go naked hiking, and um, I thoroughly enjoy it. Now, what about the practical? Um, you, uh, you know, equipment or things you should do or not do in your experience? I think um, that, uh, yeah, okay, so if you're starting out naked hiking with no experience, um, it's very tempting to, to think of going completely naked, and that is, uh, again, quite a naturalist viewpoint, where you're going to be barefoot, you're going to have no hat, you're going to be wearing absolutely nothing whatsoever, you're going to be 100% totally naked. It might seem fairly obvious, but that's probably a bad idea if you're going naked hiking because unless you've got particularly tough feet, you're probably going to want to be wearing um, protective shoes of some kind. Um, well, just, just shoes, basically, socks and shoes, uh, or sandals or whatever, to suit the terrain that you're going over. If you're going to be walking in particularly strong sun, then you probably want to wear a hat. Um, and if you're going to be work, walking for any length of time, then you're probably going to be wanting to carry food and water with you, and a map and a compass, and possibly uh, wet weather gear if the weather changes. Um, the, the, these things are slightly dependent on where you're walking and in which, which country you're walking. You know, if you're out walking in the English uh, Lake District, for instance, then you need to take a, a rain cagoule with you regardless of whether you're naked hiking or not. If you're um, naked hiking on maybe the south coast of Spain somewhere, then you can probably get away with sandals and a, and a t-shirt and a, and a sun hat. Um, but, you know, a, a rucksack with your essentials in it is probably a, a fairly standard standard thing to, to take along. Um, you might want to have a first aid kit, anti-mosquito cream, anti-sun uh, cream, definitely water, food. You know, th these things are all important when you're out hiking, when you're clothed. Now, you know, I know from uh, there's not just uh, experienced naturists. There's uh, people who are thinking about it who listen. And one of the things I often hear about any kind of exercise like that when you're nude is they say, "What about chafing?" Uh, and I can imagine that some people would imagine that chafing between the legs would be a problem, or chafing for the uh, backpack rubbing against you as you're walking. Yeah, I, I haven't actually had any problems with my backpack rubbing against my back speaking personally um, but then I've been carrying a rucksack for most of my life so 
maybe that's the reason for it. Um, I have slightly uh, thicker upper legs, um, thighs, and I've definitely had chafing problems when I've gone on a longer hike, when I've gotten very sweaty and the legs are rubbing together. Um, some people, you know, are lucky enough not to have that problem, but um, sometimes a little uh, grease or, or a bicycle, um, people who are doing a lot of bicycle tours use um, a special sort of oil or grease between their legs to stop their chafing. And that's, that can be quite useful for naked hikers as well. Might sound a bit silly, but um, you know, you don't want to be uh, causing yourself physical injury when you're when you're naked hiking. That's not really the idea. The idea is to enjoy yourself. <laughs> the uh, and sometimes I even hear concerns that uh, about the lack of support, uh, men for their testicles and women for their breasts. Any uh, any experience with that? Um, <laughs> absolutely none. No, absolutely no negative experiences there whatsoever. I don't. I think if your if your testicles are that large that they need support, well, I don't know. I suppose there might be conditions, there might be medical conditions where that would be the case. Perhaps you need to wear a jock strap. You need. Perhaps you need to wear shorts. Um, uh, all well and good, you know. Um, and the same applies to women. If, if maybe her breasts are suitably pendulous that they really do need bra support then all well and good wear one you know maybe put a t-shirt on as well uh, I, that's another thing about people when thinking about naked hiking is that hiking is that they think that you need to be completely naked again and um, I think the, the new idea really is that you dress for the occasion um, and there are occasions when I've been out in the sunshine that's been just too hot and I've had um, sun cream on my penis and I've had a t-shirt on my top because I'm beginning to burn on my shoulders um, you know and I'm wearing a sun hat and I'm okay with that I can carry on walking like that for quite a long time um, the same applies if it's a particularly cold uh, wind that's running and you don't really want to get completely dressed yet you can just put a shirt on and you can go on for a lot longer with a in 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 intemperate conditions than otherwise. So you just need to to wear whatever is appropriate in the in the conditions. The same applies to your footwear. If you're up in a mountain somewhere and, and someone um, says to you, you know, well, you're a, you're naked hiking, why are you wearing shoes? Well, personally I think you'd be crazy to go out into a mountain uh, barefoot. Um, with all those uh, sharp boulders and uh, you know uh, ankle twisting uh, rocks lying around everywhere, you, you need to wear the right thing for the right right occasion. Well, I also think it's a matter of what you're you're used to and what your body is used to. There's a, quite a trend uh, in running for unstructured shoes, where you're essentially running barefoot, uh, but with a small sole, and people That's run that way and injure themselves because. You know, you spend whatever your your your, your lifetime. If you're 30 years old, you spend 30 years having your sh your foot uh, supported by you know in the arch and with thick soles. You can't expect to suddenly be able to drop that and not and have the strength. Um, I think it's the same thing. If you all your life you have worn uh, underwear which you know really supports your testicles, then there may not be a lot of strength there. Um, just like women who wear bras all the time, their their the ligaments get weak. There's, there was that we actually did a whole show on this. There's a there's an author in the U.S. who wrote a book about how women are causing injury for themselves. In fact, there was a Cana uh, not a Canadian, a French uh, 
researcher who found that the more women wear bras, the more likely their breasts were to sag. So if you're going to be nude hiking and you've always supported your body, you have to be careful. Indeed. Uh, this is exactly why um, you need to wear whatever's appropriate for you. There are no, there, are, there should be no rules, right? There should yeah. be no, if you're going to go naked hiking, you cannot do this and you cannot do that. You just do whatever it is that's comfortable for you or whatever it is that's healthy for you. And that might be different for me and you, but that's also okay. Yeah, um, and also take it gradually. Uh, don't go for a 20-kilometer hike the first time you go for a hike. So all the standard advice basically applies, right? And you're just trying to, you know, introduce a little nudity into your, your activities. So I found the book interesting enough. Um, there's a number of uh, uh, essays by different people, uh, some that you have heard on this show before, like uh, Mark Story, and some that you've heard about but may have never heard with the uh, the uh, naked rambler, Stephen Gow, and several others. So we are now carrying the book in the Bear Boutique. So you can order directly from Richard or directly from the Bear Boutique, and I will put a link in the show notes. So we got a comment in the comment line actually a while ago in September, August on the, uh, the Nature's Living Show comment line. Hi, Stefan. Uh, this is Michael Hobbs calling. I got your email to me inviting me to call your comment line. You got my email uh, where I had done a review of um, J.P. Riley's film, Act Naturally, and you invited me to, if I wanted to, to read the uh, whole email to you. Since it's quite long, I think I won't read it. But I invite you to to read it or to quote from it during your show, if you'd like. So you certainly have my permission to do that. Um, and I thank you for your reply. So he didn't read the reviews, but I thought they were interesting enough that I thought I would read them to you. So the first review he did was on a show called Naked and Afraid, which many of you have probably seen on Discovery Channel. And Michael says, Amongst its many shows, Discovery Channel is known for travel, extreme weather, wilderness, and survivalist themes, and this show contains all four of those themes. The show's concept is simple yet complex. The producers match one man and one woman, who are strangers to one another, to survive in a remote part of the world for 21 days with no food, no water, and no clothes, the show's tagline. Each episode begins the same. Participants exit separate chartered vehicles, undress, walk naked into a foliage clearing where they meet their equally naked partner, then study a map of their rudimentary landmarks and instructions for survival and extraction on the 21st day. To date, about 10 episodes have been broadcast. So that is the extent of my review. Some women weave bra and shorts from leaves. Some remain naked until the 21st day. Personality traits are magnified when people are stressed. Some participants work well together. Others verbally fight within a few days. The producers appear to follow a documentary format, letting participants make all decisions 
while a skeleton crew films during daylight and personal cameras evening and nighttime. Topics such as female menstruation and male erection are mentioned when they occur, never sensationalized. I am aware that many so-called reality shows are staged in part or whole. Early in the season, the Naked and Afraid producers acknowledge that they are forging new ground, and they discussed with viewers their selection and procedural rules. Participants are selected for their prior wilderness experience, not for body type or physical Hollywood-type beauty. And by my opinion, producers have followed their own rules on that point. Many participants have average body types, their survivalist skills and mental toughness progressing them to complete the 21st day. Each participant is allowed one carefully selected minimalist survival tool. In past episodes, participants have selected similar survival items, but clothes have never been among them. You can find a list of firm outtakes on the Discovery Channel website. Typical participants have wilderness survival experience beyond an average USA or Canadian citizen. However, none of them seem to have prior experience in naturism nudism. In my opinion, one of the show's sub-themes involves a focus away from sensationalizing the body and towards the urgent tasks of fire, water, food, and shelter. And it is largely for this reason that I am recommending this show for your review. And uh, with regards to that show, actually, I've tried to contact the producers of the show, but so far um, I haven't had any luck. Um, I thought it would be interesting to get somebody on the show to talk about uh, Naked and Afraid because it is an interesting one. Um, but I, had, to be honest, I haven't tried too hard. I've sent a few emails out and haven't received any responses, so I just need to get on that. So hopefully in the near future, we'll have an episode uh, with somebody from that show. Michael Hobbs' second review is about uh, Act Naturally. You'll recall that uh, you'll recall that we interviewed the um, the director and some of the cast, and we had a preview at Bear Oaks, and uh, it was quite a big thing when it launched a couple of years ago. So uh, Michael's review says, "Thank you for your podcast of J.P. Riley's film Act Naturally. Although it was available years ago, I am now seeing it for the first time, and I made notes of my impressions." Permit me to share a few highlights here, both good and bad. In my opinion, Christy, Susan May Pratt, gave the best performance and most accurate rendition of naturism. Her on-screen personality was most congruent with my impression of how resort staff should behave. She was cheerful, unassuming, and kind. Although their screen time was limited, Rusty, Rob Roy Fitzgerald, and Natalie, Sadie Alexandru, conveyed other reasonable characterizations of peaceful naturism. On the other hand, I was irritated by the confrontational personalities of the sisters, Leah and Charlie, yet I understand that they were playing their edgy roles as unschooled outsiders. I sincerely hope that I do not happen upon them in any of my resort experiences. I realize that J.P. wrote his screenplay to introduce, then resolve, conflict. However, I was not impressed by many of the crass personality traits of the sisters, and I feel that cinematic tension could have been created between the characters in other ways. I was disappointed that JP included scenes that reinforced the stereotypical images that many non-naturists hold towards naturist parks. Three notable examples are 1. The girl fight between characters Leah and Lauren, Katie Hall and Courtney Abbott. This scene is somewhat symbolic of nudes a-poppin' in Indiana, 
and is similar to your description of what a resort should not seek during one of your other podcasts. Could JP accomplish his goal of confrontation between characters in another way? Perhaps a sincere sporting competition, a horseshoe tournament, a chess match, tennis, a debate, or something similar? I believe so. 2. During the final credits, the film included a few outtakes where actress Katie Hall made gestures of oral sex to the camera, followed by consenting laughter from other cast and crew. While brief, those moments damaged my viewing experience. I feel that some other conservative viewers may feel similarly. Those outtakes reversed much of the good that the film attempted to accomplish, that is, to convince non-naturists that naturism is not sexual. 3. Excessive alcohol consumption during the all-staff party in the swimming pool. Particularly the image of Lauren drinking straight from the 750ml bottle while in the pool. This pool scene was about consumption, not conversation. It symbolized abandonment and excess, including the possible inference of other unseen excesses. Final thoughts. A few seemingly insignificant details contributed greatly to the film. For example, the short cameo performance by non-actors, presumably average patrons and staff of Olive Dell, who happened to be present during the filming and willing, willing to cameo their lives for a few moments. Two, I feel that JP can best serve the nature's community by filming a documentary with actual visitors to parks such as Bear Oaks and other destinations with family-friendly standard. A documentary film could be less expensive, i.e. no actor salaries, and provide a more valuable experience for non-naturists to see and hear a portion of the lives of candid, dynamic, and personable naturists. A good cinematographer can find a way to professionally, discreetly, even humorously, film naturists, emphasizing dialogue over images. For ideas, do a web search of Ken Burns, a storyteller and cinematographer, who creates deeply interesting documentaries from seemingly boring aspects of world history. Several of his works are available on PBS. I value your comments by email or podcast. Best wishes with your life and work, Michael Hobbs. And Michael's in Utah. So thank you, Michael. I read the two comments, uh, the two reviews, because he spent quite a bit of time uh, writing them out, obviously, and thinking it through. And I appreciate that. I appreciate all the comments I receive. Um, I don't generally read them all because it's a fair bit of work, and I'm not sure if everyone's always interested uh, but what would be more interesting if somebody has a comment, of course, would be to provide the comment on the comment line. To leave a comment is very simple. You just dial 905, um, country code 1, if you're outside North America or if you're dialing long distance in North America, 905-473-6060. And that gets you to the main Bear Oaks um, telephone system. And the Nature's Living Show's extension is 333. In North America, you can even call toll-free 1-888-373-9124. Again, extension 333. Or you can call by Skype. The Skype name for Bear Oaks is Bear Oaks, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S, one word. That, again, puts you in the main phone system for the Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, and you dial the extension for the Naturist Living Show, which is extension 333. So yeah, record, or, or you can record your own comment um, in using your computer and send it to me as well. It's much more interesting if other people are recording their own thoughts and ideas and sending them in to me. So if you want to share something, I, if it's appropriate, I will absolutely, I would love to include it in the show.
So that's all for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. And my name is Stéphane Deschain, and I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And you can find links, as I mentioned several times in the show, to everything I talked about in the show notes. And the website is naturistlivingoneword.bearoaks.ca because we're in Canada. And please keep sending your comments and suggestions. I read them all. I apologize to several of you that I just replied to. Some of them were several months old because I read them. I was too busy and didn't reply right away, and I replied now. So in one case, I think it was six months later. So I apologize if you're listening uh, for the delayed reply. Uh, but I do read them all when they come in. I just don't always get to replying instantly. So thank you. I appreciate the comment. They keep me going. Please keep them coming. Uh, as I said earlier, you can call your comments in, and I'll play them on the show. Or you can send them by email. The show's email address is naturistliving, again, one word, at Bear Oaks, B-A-R-E, of course, Bear, Bear Oaks, O-A-K-S, dot C-A. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.